Hello and welcome to Setting the Skeen. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And boys, we watched a movie this week, didn't we? Oh, yes we did, good um, sir. Yes we, we did. It's like that's what we do. Right. Elijah and I actually watched the same movie, but a few <coughs> years apart. Oh, I'm, Excuse I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure you did not watch the same movie. Well, well they, they had the same title. Same title. Same title. Uh, set, uh, I believe... Same topic. 32 years apart? 32 years apart, I mean, I something like that. What's uh, 2018 minus 1984? Let's try 2016 minus 1984. That's what I meant. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah, well, Ben, why don't you go on and end all the suspense. Uh, tell us the title of the movie, and then I'll hit you with all the production information. Well, thank you for offering that up, Doug. <laughs> that's great. That's yeah. almost like how we do it all, always. Whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> Well, yeah, hey, can uh, we stop being sarcastic and talk about what's important, you guys? What's what's important? Tristan's Elijah? wearing these green pants <laughs> that are like greener than anything in the history of the color green or the history of pants. They're so <laughs> green. You know, and I made sure when I bought these pants that they were going to be green. And I don't mean I don't mean green, folks. I don't mean just green. I mean like pure green. Hey, you right. know what else and, is green? And that's that's that's. It's so joke. green about, you can hear how about, it. How about ectoplasm? Yeah, that's right. And why ectoplasm is that important? Ectoplasm is green. Uh, well, ectoplasm is important because, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about Ghostbusters 2016, directed by Paul Feig, starring Kate McKinnon, Kristen Wiig, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, Chris Hemsworth, and a bunch of cameos from the older Ghostbusters. Uh, uh, from the uh, from the 1984 film. Now uh, this is a very interesting um, this is a very interesting uh, situation because uh, this is one of the examples of a reboot of a very popular franchise from the 80s that was popping up around the basically the mid 2000s to the to the mid 2010s. I think we've kind of uh, petered out just a little bit. Um, in terms of the amount of reboots that we're getting, because you know there was a there was definitely a time where we were getting reboot after reboot after reboot. Yeah. Um, and Ghostbusters kind of, at least in my mind, I think kind of marked sort of the starting point to the end of that trend. So this was a movie came out to very mixed results. Um, uh, and by mixed, you mean mostly negative. Actually, not really. really? Uh, everything it's on, um, it has it has a more positive leaning than anything. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, it has a. I, I remember like when this first came out, people were like, "Oh, like why does this movie even exist? Like it's just such a waste of time. Like we've already got the original. Why'd they reboot it? Yeah. Why's it got to be an all female cast? This, that, and the other." Yeah, and I mean, of course, we're we're gonna get into that later, uh, but um. But yeah, as far as like the general reception of this movie, at least as far as the numbers are concerned, you know, it holds a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb, holds a 60% on Metacritic, holds a 74% uh, uh, tomato meter, which is 74% uh, critic reviews. It's certifiably fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Now it's now that is audience, surprising. Yeah, now it's audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is set at 50%, so purely split down the middle. And... Uh, I didn't realize this until just recently, but uh, apparently Google also gives its rating. Uh, it has a 54, 54% on Google. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. I mean, 
Very, very mixed. A decent box office, uh, two hundred twenty-nine million at the box office. Um, For what, like one hundred fifty million? Good question. Ish. I good question. I'm not I, I think I looked that up earlier, sure. and I think it was like like one forty-four, one forty-five. Yeah, I think it definitely. Even if it didn't double its budget, um, I know it certainly made its budget back. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it wasn't the smash hit that they thought it was going to be. Um, right or Larry Price that they hoped it was going to be. Right. So yeah, so that's Ghostbusters 2016. Uh, definitely a modern version of the same basic story from the 80s version. Um, you know, you have well the same concept, they, same same concept. It's but, not really the same plot line, though. They kind of hint that that plot line is coming. Yeah. Um, when I was when I was leaning towards the modern version of basically the same story, you know, you have. Basically, your your three disgraced uh, physicists um, who hunt ghosts, come, come together, together hunt, hunt ghosts. ghosts, you know, because that's a hobby that people have, right? I mean, that's what um, I do on the side. Hey, I mean, that that's that's you, man. L- live your life. Thank you. Um, I do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but where the 80s version was very sarcastic, dry, sardonic, here it's very fast-paced, you know, it's constantly moving all the time, uh, you know, doesn't really stop. So that's kind of our uh, that's kind of our introduction to the to the film. So Doug, you were the only one that's seen this one, right? Yes, uh, I saw that. This is one of the movies that I actually watched um, during that brief stint in my life, where my family had an HBO uh, subscription on Directv. But yeah, I, I've seen it before, and. I'll be honest, when I first watched it, uh, I've seen all the other Ghostbusters movies, mm-hmm. and when this one came out, I was very much so like, I don't think I'm going to like it. You know, I'd heard, like, nobody likes this movie, and I went into it just thinking, this is not going to be good. And I came out thinking, I was like, you know, it's fine. <clears throat> you know, it's, yeah. it is it is what it is. Uh, I will say, the version I watched was I watched the theatrical version, and the version we watched tonight was actually the extended cut. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think I like the extended cut more than I like the original version. Okay. And and you did like the original version too? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, uh, I was telling you all this earlier. One of the biggest things that the extended cut does is A, it plays out scenes so they go a little longer. Because the editing in the theatrical cut is kind of sloppy if i'm being honest like they just leave a lot of stuff that you can clearly see was on the cutting room floor Mm -hmm. um whereas the extended cut uh they let scenes play out for a much longer period of time uh there's there's a little more plot given i'm gonna go on and tell you uh the the extended cut there's about 30 minutes of extra footage in there and one of the biggest things that they do is they actually let you see the villain beforehand because he has one, he has two scenes uh, before he's like revealed as mm-hmm. the bad guy in the uh, theatrical version. And here he's popping up constantly. You know, still, you don't really, you understand what his connection to the plot is going right. to be, but it's not that clear. Right. Um, but you still see him a lot in this version before he's revealed. Uh, in the theatrical cut, you don't get that. He really is just a random guy who shows up out of nowhere. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Outside of Doug, none of the rest of us had seen this movie or even the original one uh, before the last couple of days, but Elijah and I both watched the original uh, in the last couple of days. So, uh, Elijah, what were your thoughts on the original yeah. after watching it? Uh, ben and I, I think, notoriously have a lot of classic movies we haven't seen. We're so underqualified for this. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, There's no certifying board that can tell us to shut us down. You're right. It's, tell us it, to shut it it's down. It's Michael. We're accurate. We are. It, it is Michael. Can't confirm that. <laughs> we are armchair movie critics, and we're in armchairs right now. So what well, are they going to do? You are. The rest of us are on a couch. Uh, anyway, couch yeah. Chair. Ghostbusters was on my to watch list for a long time, so I finally watched it uh, yesterday, and I enjoyed it. I think Bill Murray's funny. I haven't really seen Dan Aykroyd in anything. I know he's a big name, but like I didn't watch Blues Brothers or anything. Yeah. Um, he, never mind. go on. Well, anyway, I liked it. I laughed, you know, it was funny. I'll say the short version of my opinion of the 2016 one that we just watched, I laughed at this one more than the original. Like, I thought the original was pretty funny, but I actually laughed at this one more. So I also watched this movie, or uh, the original Ghostbusters for the first time. I actually watched it, uh, before I came over here. Uh, I didn't like it quite as much as Elijah did. Um, in fact, I would say that I didn't enjoy it. I, I will say when I when you told me you were going to watch it today, uh-huh. I I did half expect you to not like it. Really? Yeah. Um, of the people in this room who I think would actually like the original, I think it probably would be me and Tristan. Okay. Um, and just, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got an opinion on the reboot from a, a fresh face who hadn't seen any Ghostbusters movies. Yeah, that's me. A fresh face. You do have a fresh face. And some fresh I really pants. Do. Am I right? <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, oh, pants. Geez. Coming soon to the merch store, everyone. Oh, geez. They're so green. I can't see anything else in this room. It's I'm just, just green. Go ahead. We've got varied experience with Ghostbusters. Yeah, here. and I I also will say, uh, just in terms of the, the original Ghostbusters movies... Um, they were something that I was introduced to at a very young age. I, my parents, all of y'all have met my parents. They're mm-hmm. very 80s-influenced parents. Like, Heidi especially. Mm-hmm. I know you're still not listening to this, Mama. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, you know, my, my parents were like, this, you gotta see it, because it's great. Um... Uh, I think the original is a very '80s film, though. Oh, it's so, it's so, it's such an '80s film. It's such a, it's such a great example of just that, that really early '80s comedy style of mm-hmm. where everything is dry like sandpaper. It is sarcastic to no end. Um, I mean, yeah, and it. I will say it's very much an an acquired taste, yeah. and, and campiness was very in in the eighties too. Campiness, uh, to a certain extent, sexual assault. Um, yeah, yeah. But we're not here to talk about that, are we? <laughs> no, not right now. But what we are here to talk about is the new version of the Ghostbusters, which yeah. features a very SNL heavy cast. Yeah, I, I mean the first the first it. one was SNL heavy too. I mean Bill Murray was on SNL, Dan Aykroyd was SNL. Uh, uh, 
crap, I just forgot his name. Um, Egon. Harold, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis was a writer for SNL. Here, they just didn't hide it as much. Right. I mean, you have Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, Leslie... Um, Jones. Thank you. I don't know why I'm forgetting <laughs> last names tonight. Uh, I almost corrected you and said Leslie Nope, and I was like... <laughs> no. Nope. That's nope. not right. Uh, Leslie, uh-huh. Leslie Jones, uh, Kristen Wiig, all of them are SNL alum. So the actor that plays Rowan is an SNL writer. Yeah, he's an SNL writer. Uh, I already said Cecily Strong was in it. Um, Melissa McCarthy, not an SNL alum, which a lot of people think she was, but she's she's not an SNL alum. Uh, she has hosted several times. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, and you can you can really see it because. Current SNL really follows a similar comedy structure, mm-hmm. very similar uh, comedic timing, um, and you know, I think for I think for the modern audience, I think it really works. You know, it's very fast paced. You might miss a good two thirds of the jokes for the, but for the one third of the jokes that you do actually hear, they're great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I mentioned that earlier. I think a lot of the jokes that are made are very quickly said or a character just utters something funny and it it doesn't really spend a lot of time on it and i really think that it it could have been better if they would have fleshed that out added seven more minutes to the movie i mean i think there are some jokes that probably also wouldn't be as funny if you had more time to think about it like i but they weren't funny originally so i mean like the jo- well, like- it's like I said. It's like I said. You're gonna hear only one third of the jokes. Maybe half of those are good enough, but there's probably another two thirds of the jokes that you're gonna find another half funny. That's a whole I, lot of that. Math right I, I, that, I, that was some I, Bilbo I, Baggins math that she just, just hit us with. All right, all I, right. Let me put it to you like this. Maybe two sixths of the jokes Dugs. are actually. <laughs> Stop! I like There's less a lot than of half jokes. of you half as much as that. I, I'm, I'm gonna mute my mic for just a second. There's a lot of jokes. We're not gonna get all of them, and the ones we do get, we're not gonna find all of them funny. That's what you're trying to say. Okay. I just have a problem when movies, when the writing in a script is not intentional, in that they just throw things in there for quick effect. Or it's just, it's 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 like there wasn't complete thought all the time behind a script, and it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's pretty common in a lot of movies, um, yeah, especially you, comedies. You know, I think, and I'm thinking of a comedy that I personally really like, although it's not perfect, and I could make my complaints about it. But it's a movie called Masterminds. Maybe we should do it on the podcast sometime. But it's uh, it's another one that's studded with SNL cast members. Kristen Wiig is in it. Um, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones are in it. Um, and it's another one... Like, that movie, as much as I like it, it feels like they just wrote as many jokes as could possibly fit in the movie as as mm. possible, and then just put them all in there. Yeah. I and feel it, like... Um, yeah, it, it likes it, it uh, gets stale at, at a certain moment. Yeah. I feel like uh, this version of Ghostbusters almost feels like just a really extended SNL skit. Yeah. I don't know if either y'all or any of y'all. No, I I agree. I mean, uh, another SNL movie that's sticking out in my mind, which was not nearly as good, and I hate to bring it up, but it's called MacGruber, based off their sketch, MacGruber. MacGruber. Um, It's a parody of MacGyver. Yeah, it is parody of MacGyver, and it's just 
the, uh, the comedy's not really similar in this movie, but the timing is pretty similar. And it, I mean, it, it's it's across all SNL type movies and skits, yeah. and it's like SNL is, is funny to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you when you take an SNL skit and you turn it into a movie, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think this worked a lot because you have Ghostbusters, right? And, I mean, you, we have Melissa McCarthy, who's not an SNL alum. Uh, I I, th- I think there's a lot more going for it than these other SNL movies that they've done before. Yeah, I think the vibe of an extended SNL skit works for this movie. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things is uh, when when you look at this movie compared to uh, something like I'm gonna say Bridesmaids, um, another Paul Feig movie. Uh, when when you compare the two of them, most of the uh, actors in Bridesmaids very improv based um, comedians. So they'll just go. They'll just rib uh, for a rib isn't the word I was going for. Riff. Like riff. Thank you. <laughs> they'll just riff for twenty they also or thirty. Rib it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> they'll they'll riff for like twenty or thirty takes. You know, and you'll just you just get the best jokes out and you'll cut them together absolutely here you have a lot of people who are very who are very sketch and stand-up based um and then we have one person who is very noticeably not in chris hemsworth oh yeah i was gonna talk about chris yeah hemsworth. we'll get to him okay. in a minute i was gonna talk, to, was gonna talk about him in a minute. but you know uh kristen wig i think is the only one in this group who like her background is and improv based. I think she did improv with UC Berkeley, uh-huh. um, but um, but yeah. So like, so like you see them kind of trying to riff, but it feels very calculated because I mean that's 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 the style of comedy that they're most familiar with. Uh-huh. Is you know they do a lot of they'll write out a full page's worth of jokes and they'll just try them. So like uh-huh. they are still kind of riffing, but I mean it's not. It doesn't feel as organic. Well, there were scenes in this movie that seemed ad-libbed that I really enjoyed. Like when Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones are riffing on the guy uh, that's more or less Kristen Wiig's boyfriend. Yeah. And they're like riffing about whether or not they think he can dance. Uh-huh. That scene felt improvised to me. I don't that know that it was. That improvised. Yeah, but I liked it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great. When... The joke, like I said, I mean, you know, the jokes in this movie that are funny are really funny. Right. Um, it's just I think sometimes they they kind of let them play out a little too long, or they are just a little too complicated, and it just it doesn't flow the same. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris Hemsworth. Heck yeah! I don't mean to keep bringing this back to the original, but I mean, you know, go for it. A, a point to be made. Uh, Janine, who's the receptionist in the original movie, I can't remember her actor's name, and I could look her up, but... I'm She's sure. in this movie also. Yeah, she is. She, I think she was very much like a character actor. I think she might have been a writer for SNL for a little bit before, before then somebody really should pull up her Ben's going to look it up, I think. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, you know, she was, she was a noticeable character, but her, her real personality came out in the fact that, like, she kind of blended into the background and you didn't notice her until they brought attention to her or when she and Egon had a very awkward scene together. Um, which was always fun. 
Uh, Chris Hemsworth, on the other hand, you can't put him on screen and not draw attention to him, especially in a post-Marvel world. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because, they, they, they knew what they were doing when they. Oh yeah. Him. Yeah yeah. yeah. Pa- Paul knew. Paul knew what he was doing. So Chris Hemsworth <laughs> comes in this, and a lot of people forget that Chris Hemsworth had a decent. I wouldn't say comedy career, but I mean. His career before he did Thor was much more was much looser, um, and he's got range. Dude, well, his, dude has got range. His Thor really wanted to be funny, even from the beginning, from the first Thor movie that mm-hmm. sucked. Um, he was still <laughs> kind Thor of movie. funny. Elijah sucked. said yeah. with anger. Yeah, I hate that movie, but he was kind of funny in it, from what I remember. Yeah. and then of course in Thor Ragnarok, he's hilarious. Yeah. What about uh, the second Thor? Did was there a second? Did something happen in that movie? I don't remember. Yeah, we don't <laughs> talk about that one. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, Chris Hemsworth, he's a great comedic actor. He knows exactly what character he's playing every single time. And when he's when he's in this movie, you know, he he got told the script. He was like, "You're gonna be the idiot. You're mm-hmm. going to be the idiot." And he was like, "I got you. <laughs> I'm gonna bring material that no one's thought of." I. <laughs> I don't know if he improvised any of his lines. He did. But I was looking through some of the notes on IMDb. He had to. Uh, he, like, I know one thing that he improvised with the uh, my cat, mm, the name of his dog. It's so good. Oh, man. Uh, the man's dog, his name is Michael Cat. So he'll go around talking about his dog, my cat. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's phenomenal in this movie. <laughs> and the what... Like, it's just, it's great because... I completely buy him as this character, mm-hmm. which is a problem with some of the uh, performances in this movie, i.e. Kristen Wiig uh, and kind of Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. I don't entirely buy them. Kate McKinnon, though? I don't know. I buy Kate I, McKinnon. I buy her and Leslie. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I, I would argue Kate or um, Kristen. Kristen Wiig is the one where i'm like okay i don't really know like if she like because at the beginning of the movie we see her and she's 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 goofy she introduces herself as this kind of goofy character serious but she's like kind of awkward she's she's awkward and and then and then we see her trying to be this like really professional character and she i think she does that successfully and she kind of becomes that character within the group. She, I mean, that that she is this like, so the it's 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 weird how it introduces her as this awkward, silly person, and then we immediately see her become the more serious one of this group, and eventually she like becomes silly and awkward again by the end of it. But it's like, why why did we make that turn? Yeah. Well, I think I think it comes down to casting, you know. Uh, again, to draw comparison to the original, you could argue that Kate McKen, not Kate McKen, Kristen Wiig's uh, equal or counterpart in the original movie is going to be Bill Murray. Okay, Bill Murray can play your crazy, outlandish characters, but by and large, he's going to kind of be your straight man. He's he's obviously going to be the funny one in the room, but he's got he's going to be the one who reacts to the chaos. He's not going to bring the chaos. Your Dan Aykroyd. Your Dan Aykroyd's, your uh, Harold Ramis's, they're going to bring the chaos. Your Rick Moranis's going to bring the chaos. Kristen Wiig is usually the opposite. She's usually the one who brings the chaos for the other for the other actors to react yeah. off of. You know, you can look at Bridesmaids, and 
she is the force of chaos and Maya Rudolph is going to play off of that. And I think you get into a mistake of casting because you cast Kate, you, why do I keep saying Kate McKinnon? You cast four women who none of them really play straight characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like none of them really play like the one who reacts to or the normal one in the situation. They all are the ones who bring the they bring the chaos they bring the change in the status quo and when you do that someone's gonna fail out of place yeah that is that's on point doug i hadn't thought to put it like that that's a good way to put it it. you got it yeah i was gonna say it muddied the waters a little bit for like who does what 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 the role is and you know i think that happens in a lot of star-studded movies in general people watch star-studded movies and don't know who to follow and I wouldn't say that I didn't buy their characters. I mean, I was watching a Ghostbusters movie, so I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to take it too seriously. But um, Kristen Wiig's character did, like, she did start off the protagonist and then get lost in the mix. Yeah. You, you almost forget about her at points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, just kind of getting back to casting, I mean, you know, if, if you're going to be the straight one in the in the film then you have to carry your own you don't look at the original ghostbuster and say that bill murray got lost in the mix no he um, absolutely didn't no he didn't yeah i mean you can see it in bridesmaids you know my rudolph is your is your straight character and she doesn't get lost in the mix at all um and i i don't blame kristen wick for that i blame the casting um because when you have when you have four actors who all have such strong personalities some of them are going to dominate take over completely kate mccann just for the simple fact that she just keeps going she just keeps Mm. riffing on it um she she's going to be one that stands out and leslie jones just being for as big and as loud of a personality as she Mm. is she's gonna stand out so you also have melissa mccarthy who's kind of the same way who's big and loud and yeah, it's going she's not. Decent. She's not quite that though in this movie though. Like she's it, it's, a little different. Yeah, she's a little different, and it's like she's playing both fields, which mm-hmm. is why it's awkward. Well, I mean, Melissa McCarthy. If you again drew comparison, her equal would be uh, would be Ray uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, and it's kind of like the character with the childlike wonderment. Like they can't be hurt. Uh-huh. Like like they can't let the situation get to them. They are going to be the eternal optimist. I mean, she does set herself apart because she fits that role. Granted, she does still kind of get a little bit lost in the mix, but not as bad as Wig does. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm going <laughs> to step off my soapbox. Yeah, that was good, Doug. Those were good observations. Yeah. Hey guys, what's up? It's your old pal Ben, and I'm here to interrupt this podcast with a few announcements. Now first, before I get into you know the nitty gritty of it, first thing I want to say is thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who is listening to this podcast, you know, taking time out of your day, whether you know you stopped what you were doing, and, or you're driving, you're going on a walk, exercising, whatever it is, thank you for choosing to spend this little hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. 
Now, we have tons of great ways that you can show that support. Uh, one of the best ways that you can support us is just by sharing us with your friends, your family, random people you meet in the streets, whoever. Uh, you can just tell them to check out all of our social media accounts at Viter Media. They can find everything that I'm about to talk about. Uh, the first thing I want to bring up is our Patreon. Uh, you can get all sorts of cool bonus content, whether it's seeing some behind-the-scenes photos, maybe Tristan's green pants that we talked about earlier. Uh, you can get some early access episodes, some other cool stuff. Uh, what's really awesome, in a couple weeks now, we're going to be dropping our first bonus episode. Uh, this bonus episode will be an extended episode uh, that we're doing here in a couple weeks. I won't spoil what it is quite yet. You'll find out next week. Uh, but it's going to be a great show. You will not want to miss it. And again, that will only be available to our third tier Patreon supporters. So go to patreon.com slash vitermedia, that's V-I-T-E-R, to get more information and to sign up. Now, another great way that you can support us is by getting a sticker or a button or both from our merch store. We've got Tea with Doug G buttons, stickers. We've also got some legacy buttons from our Some Jerks days. You can check out all of that at vitermedia.com slash merch. Now, if you want to support a specific show, what you can do, you can go to the show page on whatever platform you're listening on, leave us a rating and a review. We would greatly appreciate it. And if you're lucky, you might even get a shout out if we see it. And that's all I've got. Uh, be sure to check out our other Vitor Media projects. We've got Tea with Doug G on Monday nights and The Flea Pit on Fridays. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, other than an SNL cast, I think anytime you watch any kind of Ghostbusters movie, one of the first things you always think of is that theme song. Who are you going to call Ghostbusters? Ray, Park, right. Jun- Ray Parker Jr. Genius. That's the one part of this that Ben and I were intimately familiar with before mm-hmm. this week. Mm. Yeah. Um, once you hear it, <laughs> right, yeah, and never forget it. This movie makes sure that you hear it uh, many times. <laughs> many different iterations. Now, uh, you know, they, they have several, like... Uh, in, in instrumental versions and they sound great and uh, i think it was fallout boy covered it not so great not so great not not bad i guess but like not great you know it's like could it could have better it was either fallout boy or somebody trying to sound like fallout boy i, yeah. I, I looked it up it was fallout okay. boy okay yeah and you know we have the the new one at the end whatever that song was about ghosts and then you know, we have... Feels the, like there were five million songs. And then we so, well, the so. first movie was kind of that way, too, though. Oh. So. so, okay, so, you know, we have Ghostbusters by Pentatonix. We have Ghostbusters by Fallout Boy. We have Ghostbusters by Missy Elliott. Oh. We have Get Ghost by Mark Ronson. Uh, are these all songs that are actually on the soundtrack? Oh, yeah, buddy. Oh, I like Mark Ronson. And we have Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. And then you also have the orchestral theme for well, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, and you know, they, a lot of these were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but so honestly, the music is one of the highlights of the film for me. Yeah, especially the orchestral portion. But just too too many too many ghost songs. You know, uh, a movie about ghosts. I get it. it's about ghosts. You don't gotta tell me a million times <laughs> in every single song we hear. Well, also like. I don't. I don't need to hear the same lyrics. Exactly. Saying different five different ways, ways, five different times. I, I just don't need it. I don't need it in my yeah. life. I get that, but I thought the music was effective. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, I liked it, and it was good. It was just like, you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, we're, we're done. So yeah. We heard the Ghostbuster songs. You, you, you don't need to play it again. It you, wasn't, got, you, got, you got our ticket money. You got our money. Mm-hmm. We're right, good. Right. We're good. It definitely wasn't as bad as The Graduate, which we've talked about before, <laughs> where they played literally the same track eight oh. times or something. Well, I will argue for that. I have. Mm-hmm. Check out our Some Jerks podcast yeah. for that episode. Um, but I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of it does work in this movie. It's just I would have preferred maybe instead of you know the Fallout Boy cover of it, maybe we could have had like a nice orchestral piece mm-hmm. just that they created. You know, something that they made originally. Or how about this? Ozzy Osbourne is in this movie. Let's get a metal cover. <laughs> Let's get an Ozzy. Why not? We're everyone's getting a cover of this song. Why not give him one? Okay, also, we have Ozzy Osbourne in a movie where there is a heavy metal concert going on at four in the afternoon, which is another thing yeah, it's entirely. Weird. And we do not hear Ozzy metal. sing a darn thing. No, uh, he gets one line. He gets a, yeah, and I thought that line was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That scene overall, though, might have been my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of shoved in there because they needed to actually catch a ghost yeah the the whole the concert thing was weird and also i pointed out while we were watching it the exact same thing happens in danny phantom mm-hmm. yep with uh ember <laughs> yeah 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 so annoying except ember is the one actually playing the music here it's just it's like dragon thing we made a few comparisons to danny phantom watching this movie yeah. it, i mean they actually call it a thermos that they yeah used to yeah catch yeah it. it is a thermos there's nothing new under the sun what do you catch a ghost in? <laughs> Obviously a thermos. Right. What There's no other use? tool for the job. I think it's interesting how they wait so long to catch a ghost in this one. Whereas, like, in the original, like, they catch it pretty immediately. It takes them a while. Uh, and they pretty much destroy an entire hotel to do it. But, like, they, they catch it pretty early on. Comparing this movie to the original. Yeah. What, what do you think? Does, is this movie, like, a worthy successor? I mean, I think, I think we've said it several times before. I mean, it tells basically the same premise, but mm. it does it in a much more modern way. We have ghosts. We gotta bust them. We bust them. Yeah, that's right. That, that's it. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's a movie that I don't think needs to exist but I'm not upset that it does. Okay, I feel the same way. I don't think this was necessary. However, I'm pretty pleased with it. Right. I enjoyed it. It took it took a movie that was fairly iconic, updated the humor, um, to fit a more modern audience, mm-hmm. to fit a more general audience, mm-hmm. uh, and it did so with what I think was a much higher budget than the first one, which yeah, is yeah. saying something, because the first movie has an absurd budget, or had an absurd budget. Um, one big comparison that a lot of people bring up with the uh, original to the new version are the effects, because, you know, original version, a lot of practical effects, mm-hmm. a lot of CG, a lot of early CG, but, like, bunch of practical effects. This one, it's all CG, and I rewatched some of the scenes from the original today. I, th- I think I kind of like these effects more. I mean, I mean that makes sense. There, I, there were several scenes in this movie where I 
couldn't help but notice that it was very fake. Yeah, and but... It, Wait, are you trying to tell me that ghosts aren't real, Tristan? Ghosts aren't real. Yeah, man. well, okay. I, I learned that today. Wait, 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 wait. Are, we, are we assuming that this is a work of fiction? What? We are. So, that's, the, that's the premise. You know, yesterday when I was watching the original, I, I had to kind of roll my eyes at a lot of the effects because uh-huh. it looks so bad now. But also, it became iconic. Yeah. And if you're going to redo it, I think it would have been sacrilegious for them to try to make it look too different from the original. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've seen good effects. I've, I mean, like uh, the Avengers. Good movie, good effects. Sometimes, you know, I. But I mean, like uh, there were more, more than off the top of my head, there were three scenes at least where I, I noticed the characters. They were they were on a green screen, and it was very clear that the background just they didn't really fit mm-hmm. in what was happening. Which I know it's fiction, like it's it's not gonna make sense. But at the same time, uh, they, they didn't look real. They didn't look like they were on the street when all the ghosts were appearing, and there was this cloud, and we cut to a shot of all four of them, and they're like in their pose. You know, it just it did not. It looked like a green screen, really badly. When when they were going through the green goop at the very end, and she was trying to save her friend, and I was like, ooh. I I mm, I get I get what you're saying, but I think I think one of the best one of the best things that comes out of the effects of this movie is a you get to make your world a whole heck of a lot bigger mm-hmm. because even though the original movie ends with that iconic scene of the giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man walking down uh, walking through Manhattan. That's your one big scene. Everything else is much more small and self-contained. This movie, I mean, it's massive. You see ghosts the size of skyscrapers. You see all kinds of colors, all kinds of You see the Marshmallow Man again. You see the Stay Puft Man again. And you also see this with the way that they actually fight the ghosts. You know, in the original movie, it's four guys point sticks at something. Mm -hmm. And the climax is they point the sticks closer together. Granted, same climax here. But... Well, this time um, it doesn't work, so they have to use... Yeah, this time we uh, point sticks closer together and make a bomb go off. Right. Um, but you <laughs> absolutely know, no repercussions. Very yeah. clever. But you know, you know when when we get to see them fighting, you know there are flips, there's jumps, there's there's multiple different weapons. There's like a gauntlet. There's sidearms. You just get to like do so much frag grenades, more. Essentially, say that again. There's like essentially frag grenades. Yeah, like you just. I get that now the effects look great, and that's to be understood because once again. Even though the effects in the original movie m- might look a little dated now, they still are very impressive effects. Mm-hmm. The effects in this one, though maybe not, though they may not stand up as well going forward, they still are very impressive. And watching it this time, I think I like them way more than I did the first time, and I think I kind of like them more than I do the original. I mean, I would agree. I mean... Watching the original Ghostbusters earlier today, the first ghost that they see, um, you told me the name, I forgot. Oh, it's not Zool. Slime. No, not the Slime one. Oh, Slimer. Yeah, Slimer. Slimer. And, like, in the original Ghostbusters, he looks like a giant booger. He's clearly a puppet. He still looks kind of like a giant booger, but it's a giant booger that looks a little better. I'd say it kind of reminded me of the Mucinex commercials with the mucus family thing. I, I know what you're talking about. Right. It just kind of hurts me that you don't like Slimer. <laughs> Sorry. 
But here, you know, you get to see him go on a bender. Uh, you know, meet a female Slimer. He drives her car around. If but... this was an R-rated movie, you would see her. You would see him doing lines of coke off her belly. <laughs> I and, stole that joke from the nostalgia credit, okay. but I, w- I was wondering where that came from. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, speaking of nostalgia, Ben, go, going <laughs> into transition. this, yeah, going into this, having like seen the original but not grown up with it, mm-hmm. you got to see the 1984 one as a grown person. Do you feel like maybe our opinions of the reboot are higher than people who grew up with the original? Well, I think it's less clouded uh, with nostalgia. Like, I think we. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that anybody's view of a movie is objective because, I mean, that would make Completely it not an opinion. <laughs> that would make false. it not an opinion. Um, but I, I think that, like you and I, since we both just watched it in the last couple of days, I mean, I think we can view it more objectively. Um, like, we're not bogged down by the nostalgia. Like, you and I both know, like, Ghostbusters, I mean, it's a classic. We both know that. But, I mean,. I think you liked it a little bit more than I did, but I'm not letting that affect how I see this version. Yeah. This movie got an awful lot of backlash from nostalgic fans of the old one, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's uh, let's touch on that backlash, because I think that gets back into what we were saying at the start about mm-hmm. why the reviews of this movie were so different. So uh, when they announced that this movie was coming out and that it was going to be an all-female cast, people... Hmm... How should I put this lightly? They rioted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was insane. The the hate that this movie was getting. Uh, you had some people... This was basically the divide of the internet. If you were interested in the movie and you wanted to see it, you thought it looked cool, you were being a disgrace to the original film. Okay? You basically spat on Harold Ramis's grave and kicked... Uh, Bill Murray in the face. <laughs> if you hated the movie, then yes, you were paying you were paying respects to the original, but you were also a sexist pig. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you 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 couldn't win. You you could not win either way that you looked at this movie. Uh, Which is weird, since you know Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are both in this movie, giving it their blessing. Right. Sigourney Weaver shows up. Which right. is. Something, because, you know, we talk about toxic fandoms on this show every now and then, and Ghostbusters, a little bit of a toxic fandom. Apparently, um, yeah. Not as bad as what else we've talked about before. Not but um, Star Wars. Not yeah. even close to it. The Star Wars fans need rabies shots. But, you know, you know, a big thing was, for years people wanted a Ghostbusters 3. The only person who was stopping that was Bill Murray. Bill Murray was like, we're done telling this story. Like, we're done. And then Paul Feig comes along. The Paul Feig is directing this movie ju- right after he directs the highest-grossing female-led comedy of all time, Bridesmaids. Bride up multiple times. Um, and Bill Murray's like, I think he's gonna get it. I think he's gonna do it justice, so I will give my support to him. And... Paul Feig makes a movie. Is it perfect? No, but the original movie's not perfect. I would argue that the original movie is far from perfect. Yeah. Especially, like, watching it now in 2020, as opposed to 1984 when it came out, when there were some things that happened in the movie that were 
not great, but more commonly accepted. Yeah, I mean, you you texted me about you texted me th- some of your thoughts of this mm-hmm. movie and asked why certain things were so sexualized, and I was like, I don't know, man, it's an '80s movie. Yeah, like ev- almost every was- single ghost in the original movie was like a sexual deviant, like um, the ghost that takes over Sigourney Weaver's body. Uh, Zool ends up having sex with the ghost that takes over Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis's body, body also Zool. Right, and it's just like, why did this need to happen? It true. It's because eighties, man. Everyone was coked out of their minds. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Uh, Rick Moranis was so funny, though. <laughs> yeah, Rick Moranis was one of my favorite parts oh, of the eighties. Bring film. back Rick Moranis. Um. <laughs> I know okay. you're out there listening, Rick Moranis. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. We know you're listening right now. Um, I, I don't want you to come back to acting. All right, please do it for me. So anyway, yeah. So looking back on this movie, you know, I, as someone who grew up with with the original movie uh, and the sequel, but the sequel sucks. Uh, as someone who grew up with it and watched this movie as a very impressionable teenager, I was like, it's fine. I don't really get... I watched this movie in the heat of all of this all of this uh, argument that was going on. I was like, I honestly don't get what the point, what the deal is. I don't yeah, get I, I, why Honestly, people... I don't understand why people hated this movie so much. I can understand like why you wouldn't like it. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not for everybody. Yeah. At least in many cases, I think it had to be just good old-fashioned misogyny. Just a bunch of lint-licking sexists that didn't <laughs> want to see uh, female-led Ghostbusters. And then in a lot of cases, I'm sure it was just nostalgia. Just like with the Star Wars fandom. Yeah. yeah. I think I think nostalgia is a weird thing in that you, you, you get into the twisted mindset of, I like this thing when I was younger, so I'll always have it. And you take that idea... And you twist it into, this is only for me. It's not for anyone else. I'm the only one who should be able to enjoy this. Right. And I think that comes into play anytime you try to reboot anything. Exactly. Like, I mean... Um, I mean, we see it time and time again. We see it with Star Wars. We see it with this. Right, uh, Spider-Man. I mean, uh, we see it with Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I was about to bring up Star Wars because we've mentioned it a few times. Like, the sequel trilogy, despite its faults... I mean, it it is canon. Like, yeah. there is no argument there, despite however many people <laughs> on the internet pull up petitions that's like, you know, delete the sequel trilogy from Star Wars canon. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and also, in a vacuum, the sequel trilogy itself, not bad. Uh, agree to disagree on that. <laughs> um, I mean, without the other ones. But we're in, we're incapable of being impartial on right. that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Okay, but like, like, I guess. I mean, these uh, people have their this nostalgia that's tied to whatever it is that they grew up with, whether it be the original trilogy or even the prequel trilogy to an extent. Because like you've got these people who, yeah, they might have hated the prequel trilogy originally, but you get down like a few years later and they've got this nostalgia attached with it now because it was the movies that came out like while they were growing up, like while yeah. we were growing up. Like even though like oh I don't know you didn't see them till like the last few years, but the rest of us yeah that's true um and then spider-man doesn't have quite the same issue but you know there spider-man did the thing where uh you know we had toby Maguire, and and there was like a reasonable amount of time before it was rebooted with andrew garfield and then an unreasonable amount of time before it was rebooted again with tom holland right. and now we talked about earlier how 
there's talk of another Ghostbusters reboot mm-hmm. unrelated to this. Because which, yeah. of how poorly this reboot did. Which is similar to the Andrew Garfield situation. Like, y'all know I'm of the opinion that the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, in particular the second one, are better than, than people give it credit for. And mm-hmm. I think people just pay attention to the wrong things with those movies. Um, although the first one is kind of forgettable. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, but, I mean, getting back to Ghostbusters, I mean, you're right. We're going to see a new movie in 2021, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And already you can tell it's going to be a completely different tone than this movie and a completely different tone from the original movie. Right. You know, uh, where this movie was very mid-2010s, fast-paced, just just spouting stuff off at the at the first side of it, comedy. Uh, we can already see, based on the trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know, it's going to be much more nostalgia-based, much more like Stranger Things-esque. I mean, heck, Finn Wolfhard's in it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean... It, yeah. So, I mean, no matter how many times you make a reboot of something, you're going to see a huge change, and people are going to react to it uh, various ways based on how their nostalgia is affecting them. Right. So, I guess, moving forward, like, and I feel like in this day and age, there aren't a lot of original ideas left that we see continually coming out. Like, a lot of what we see are reboots. They are sequels. I mean, is that sustainable? I mean, theoretically, yes. I mean, from a from purely a purely in theory i mean yeah you can make the same story a hundred different times there's been a hundred different draculas there's been a hundred different werewolf stories there's been a hundred different uh frankenstein properties i mean king arthur robin hood hundred different star wars (laughs) i mean star wars isn't even original like a lot of it is just the hero's doomed. journey. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you really think about I mean, it, n- nothing is original. Nothing. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. All is void. <laughs> down to it. I mean, yes. Nothing matters. You can you can always <laughs> fill up. up. You can always <laughs> fill up a market. You can always fill up a shooting schedule, a film schedule, a release schedule with reboots, mm-hmm. and you'll probably pull in the same people every single time because no matter how many times people say I'm not going to watch it or this is going to be the one that I skip on, their nostalgia is going to call to them like nobody's business and they're going to go see it. They're going to go see it again and again and again in the hopes that maybe something will touch just the surface of what made them love that property when they were a kid of what that property did that made an impact on their life. I mean, it's like every new thing that Disney puts out. Like, I know, like, yeah, it's probably not going to be, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. But what if it is? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Disney Plus is getting ready to release Mulan uh, at the, the point that this is releasing. I think they've already done that. Am I going to pay another $30 to watch it? Maybe. Please I, I... just don't be the only one who watches it when you watch it. <laughs> Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you keep looking for that thing that maybe will hit you the same way that one of those earlier films will hit you. That's that's why you keep doing it. Yeah. And I feel like in this case, like with Ghostbusters, I mean, it's the same thing, but I, I feel like it's done well. Yeah, I think if I think if we come around to Ghostbusters Afterlife... And I leave feeling 
basically the same way about this movie. I mean, it'll be kind of a unanimous opinion for all of the Ghostbusters movies, except for the sequel, because the <laughs> sequel sucks. Um, but, I mean, you know, I'm going to view them as movies who that I genuinely like. They're all their own thing, and I can appreciate that. They go. make me laugh, at least somewhat. Word. All right, let's rate this thing. So for uh, if this is your first week finding us, uh, we don't have a long, complicated scale anymore. Um, instead, we are using just a 100-point scale that is pretty much a scale like you would think of if you were in grade school in America, where 100 is a perfect movie. Uh, nothing can be better than it. Uh, Except 105, and that's with no, it can't. Extra no, it can't. 100 is perfect. Yep, we have we'll already determined that we cannot break the scale uh, since that was an issue on our last podcast. Don't look at You me. can't see this, don't but look I'm, at I'm looking at Doug. <laughs> we don't have a complicated only, scale. Audio only medium. <laughs> we don't have a complicated scale, but we do have a complicated apparatus called the scorometer that Ben is holding. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but yes, it goes from uh, one, which is an irredeemable pile of turds. To uh, 70, which is a solid C, uh, like you would normally do, letters, and a scale for a grade. So uh, I'm going to stop rambling, uh, uh, and I'm going to give my score for this movie. Uh, I think this movie is pretty funny. I don't know that I would necessarily want to watch this again, unless it was like at a party and people are like, hey, let's watch this. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> uh, so for that reason, and for Chris Hemsworth just stealing the show for me, I'm going to give this a 76. I'm giving this an 80, which is a B. It's barely a B. But I would watch this movie again casually with people who'd never seen it. Mm -hmm. It made me laugh. Yeah, I I would... I'm surprised to see your score, Ben. Um, I don't know why. Do you think it would be higher or lower? I, I... I thought it would be a little bit higher. Okay. You tend to be a little bit nicer, I think, towards, towards well, movies. Sometimes. That was not like you were mean here, yeah. but... Um, I'm giving this a 75. Uh, it did make me laugh sometimes, but like Ben said, I, I wouldn't really watch it again. You know, I mean, it was okay. I just mm -hmm. it did not wow me or... It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was a little bit better than fine. It made me laugh a couple times, but it was fine. Hmm. Doug? I really didn't think I was going to give this the lowest score because I think I liked it just about as much as y'all did. Well. But You're just I, meaner I'm, than us. Huh? You're just meaner than we are. 100% yes. Yeah. So I'm going to give this movie a 65. Uh, and honestly, I'm going to give this movie a 65, and I know we're not grading the original, but if I gave a score to the original, I would give the original a 65 too. See, my score for the original would probably be a little closer to that. I, th I think... I think they both give me... Which I think is interesting, because you like the original more than I do. Yeah, it, it really is weird. But I think 65 sums up both of those movies perfectly. Okay. You know, yeah. Well, uh, after plugging that into the scoreometer, which, again, is the calculator app on Ben's phone. Yes, uh, we got a final score of a 74. Which, uh, I mean, that feels right. To see. Yeah. So, uh, who wants to say what we're watching? Oh, I got That's you, fun. I got you. You uh, got us? Guys, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I don't know what I was Listeners saying. Members of the, of the jury. Yeah, the setting Dutch. the skein, uh, people, fans, listener. Okay, look, next week we're watching August Rush. I don't know what year it came out, but we're watching August, August Rush. August Rush. 
I've seen this movie several times, and I suggested it because I wanted us to discuss it on the podcast. All right. I have never seen that movie. Neither have I. I've seen bits and pieces, and I already know that Tristan is going to love it. it I just heard like that he will at least Tristan like it. Tristan going to love it. I'm pretty sure he's going to love it. Uh, but in the meantime, be sure to check us out on all of our social medias at Vider Media. You can also find our shows wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, and until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Scheme. Y'all have a great week.